Hi, I'm John. And I'm Paul. And this is the Minute Podcast. If you give a mouse a cookie, I'm pretty sure he'd write a book. But give us 60 seconds of footage, we'll still tell you where to look. With a concept this simplistic, I can't believe we brought it back. But give us just a minute, and we'll give you season two of the podcast. The Minute Podcast. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode in these trying times. As you probably know by now, the Minute Podcast is a weekly conversation between John and myself where we discuss either a randomly selected or listener-submitted minute of content. John, what do we have the pleasure of looking at today? Uh, Today we are watching a minute uh, from DOA. This is minute 39 and 23 seconds, and uh, this is the DOA from 1950, submitted by Pam. Wait, wait, so it's not the beach volleyball video game? Uh, no, it is not the uh, glorious uh, film uh, adaptation of uh, the Dead or Alive video game series. Uh, but if anybody wants to send us a minute from that, <laughs> it could be. You know, it's pretty pretty similar, um, the video game series versus this film noir film. But oh, yeah, no, it's, to... obvious, it's obviously inspired by yeah. uh, the video game series is inspired by this DOA. Well, John, before we jump into all of that, I should let you know that this week's episode... Well, let me take that from the top. Well, John, before we get into all that, though, I should let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by ShipStation. Are you tired of whittling your own tiny masts, sewing tiny sails, and molding cannons for your ship in a bottle hobby? There's got to be a better way. Well, yeah, of course there is. At ShipStation.com, you can order high-quality miniature ship components at half the cost and a quarter of the effort than making them yourselves. $4.99 for a stay sail ready for afterrigging? Please, you had me at stay sail. So visit ShipStation.com minute for a 10% discount off of your first order today. Warning, bottles not included. Okay. Um... So, uh, <laughs> what's our what's our level of familiarity, Paul, with uh, DOA? To be what's completely your... honest, I accidentally read a little bit of a description in the YouTube video. Mm. So, I'm going to pretend I don't know anything, but before reading that one sentence, I, I didn't know anything. So, I still don't gotcha. know that much. What about you? All right. So, I'm pretty sure I own this movie on VHS. <laughs> Uh, however, I don't remember ever watching it or recognize anything about it. So, uh, probably nothing may not, may have bought it at the end of, uh, Walkersville video two's, uh, existence, Mm, uh, when I just went through and bought like robot jacks and all, all the, all the movies I could get a hands on basically. Oh man, we need a minute from robot jacks. Okay. I'll get somebody on that. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, before we get any further, a quick introduction for the listeners at home to the scene. You should watch the video yourself. We'll even include a link in the description. Yep. Um, but really what we see is a man goes into some sort of professional office. He asks to speak with someone, goes into the back room, and they have a brief discussion. And that's all we get. Yep. All right, Paul. So I think we need to do a script read for this. We've never done one for a film noir piece before, but I think you're right. It would help. It would help in this case. Yeah, for context. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to be the receptionist and Mr. Holiday, and and you're going to be other. I will be not someone in charge here. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. I'd like to see someone in charge here. What is it regarding? It's a personal matter, and it's quite urgent. 
Perhaps Mr. Holiday can help you. Who's he? He's our controller. Your name, please? Mr. Bigelow. <gasps> Mr. Bigelow to see you. Send him in. Go right in, please. That's the door. Mr. Bigelow? How are you, Mr. Holiday? What can I do for you? Well, Mr. Phillips phoned my office several times yesterday, and I'd like to find out what it's all about. You know Mr. Phillips died yesterday? Yes, I know. But I don't understand. If he phoned you, didn't he tell you what it was about? Well, he didn't speak to me. I wasn't in my office at the time, and he wouldn't tell my secretary. I'm afraid I can't be of much help, Mr. Bigelow. I have no idea why Mr. Phillips tried to reach you. I'm sorry you had to make the trip for nothing. How do you know I made a trip? I didn't say anything about making a trip. I merely said he phoned my office. My office could be here in Los Angeles. Miss Fraser. I think her name was Foster. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep, I got Fraser on the brain, you know. Uh, I also don't know what to do with those toss-outs. John. <laughs> so, this is this is a series of this is a conversation, mm-hmm. two conversations that are very mysterious. <laughs> very mysterious. Yes. Um so <laughs> I like your first note here is Mr. Bigelow Noir Gigolo. Uh, it's very good. And yeah. com- completely a top picker. John, <laughs> uh, we, we don't have enough context here to know he's not a Noir Gigolo. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is very Noir. There's a great. Uh, so in in Mr. Holiday's office, there's like a bl- like a like a light uh, from the window and it's like shades so it's just lines of light but then it's all casting on this like statue of like a guy like like a uh hermes running with a spear or something like that some sort of like uh neoclassical statue and then that statue is like skewed so it looks really ominous on the wall it's very good the set the set in this is very good it's very good and you've actually hit on one of probably only two things we can say about the office yeah. Let's let, let's stick on the statue for a minute. I think you're right about what it is. My real question, though, is no one can lunge that deep, right? No, it's very, like, he is uh, preternaturally lunging. If you lunge like that, you ain't coming back. <laughs> like, they, this, is, this is not a rep. This is the end. This is the last lunge of the set. The final lunge. Yep. The other thing I'd say about The Office is it's hard to tell because this is a black and white film but is literally everything other than the little statue made of wood? Yes, I think so. Uh, it it does feel like if it wasn't black and white, it would feel very tacky and dated. Uh, but somehow, because it's black and white, it feels more modern, if that makes any sense. It kind of uh, does. It, it all feels as if it would be a really rich mahogany or some other expensive problematic wood. Yeah, yeah, problematic wood. Uh, so I, I think one of the other things to notice is that the, this isn't an office and it's, um, Phillips imports exports, right? So we've got Bigelow, Holiday, and Phillips. Like this, it feels, <laughs> all of these feel like fake names, <laughs> right? Well, that's an interesting question. Do Foster, you, think- you know, yeah. just saying. 
Do you think Bigelow is a fake name here? Because it got a good reaction from the secretary. It did get a good reaction. Yeah, the secretary, like, basically, like, looked at him as though... When he said his name, she basically looked as though he had just, like, kicked a puppy in front of her. Well, either Uh, that or, like, she was recognizing a really famous noir gigolo. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. She's like, oh, (laughs) I could use your services. I just did the Uh, double eyebrow raise forgetting we're in a podcast medium. Yep. (laughs) That's when you have to say it out loud, Paul. Basically. Um, So I I wanted to ask about this office a little bit, John, because Miss uh, Foster directs him to go through, you know, that door over there. Mm -hmm. We don't see any other doors. Do you think there are other doors he could have gone through? It looks like a pretty small office. Like, this is just the reception area. It does feel like the set was very conservatively uh can it maintained uh it does not feel like there is much beyond the immediate uh people inside this world if that makes any sense like the mm-hmm. office uh mr holiday's office has no uh, has no other existence outside of the camera uh and same with the reception area it feels very hollywood setty you know it does which is probably accurate that there's Two other things I wanted to talk about, John, and they're both tied to um, Mr. Bigelow's insistence that his office could be in L.A. Yes. <laughs> the first thing I want to say is, in this economy, the yeah. second thing, John, um, <laughs> is it really suspect for Mr. Holiday to have said, I'm sorry you made the trip for nothing? I feel like that's something I would say to anybody who came over to a different building unnecessarily, not necessarily yeah. including like a flight or long travel. Yeah. There is definitely, like, did the word trip mean something differently? Like, it, it definitely feels like if I had you go down the stairs, like, I'd be like, sorry you made the trip. Or even just, like, from another office cubicle section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be like, sorry you made the trip. Or I'd just never use those words ever. Like. <laughs> hmm. Like, so the question it, is, did Mr. Holiday know something or is Mr. Bigelow noir gigolow paranoid? I think Mr. Bigelow seems rather paranoid. And I think that's what we're supposed to be getting out of this because this is 30, what is it, 39 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a feeling this is the point in time in which a lot of stuff starts unraveling, but not so much that we think that we're 100% sure that he's crazy or we're 100% sure that people are against him, but it's where like all of like the barriers to this guy's quest are coming up. Uh, so I think we're supposed to question Mr. Bigelow's, like, sanity a little bit here. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about in the clip, or can we actually get you to flesh that out a little bit and give us the rest of your theory? Um, I mean, Miss Foster does seem rather, uh, like, multi-purpose, uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, her role in this, because I think she's about to come in and explain why he knew who Mr. Bigelow is or something like that through Miss Foster. Uh, So I kind of wonder what her character is a little bit more. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I was kind of thinking, it seems like she's about to come in and act like a bouncer and get Mr. Bigelow to leave, (laughs) so maybe she also works security. Miss Foster, please escort Mr. Bigelow out of the office. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe she knows, like, Krav Maga or something like that. It was the 50s, after all. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. So, theories? We want to do theories? I have mine yep. written down. Do you, uh, do you want me to go first? Or you want you to go, go first. first, yep. All right. So, I think this movie is about an import-export entrepreneur, Mr. Bigelow. 
and he finds a dead body of a business partner and a shipment of rare goods he imported that seems too good to be true. And he tries to uncover the true murderer before fingering start, uh, fingers start pointing towards him. Yep, that's a slip of the tongue. Uh, <laughs> and so basically I think that he's paranoid because he thinks that these goods are are now somehow connected to like crime and therefore people are going to start coming for him basically that sounds like a movie yep it it does it doesn't sound very funny though well just because his name's bigelow doesn't mean it's a comedy i guess (laughs) yep speaking of comedies though my theory is that mr bigelow is a noir gigolo um the (laughs) concept of the movie is mostly He's been in the gigolo game for too long, and because it's film noir, just over time living in that context, he's seen some dark stuff, and he's oh, yeah. become a little uh, a little pessimistic. He then I gets, can get that I get yeah. that read from him. He then gets just a couple of missed calls from Mister Holiday, or maybe they're not missed calls. Maybe he was trying to hire a noir gigolo, but we don't know because he he being Mister uh, Mister Who who's the other guy. I don't remember now. Oh, my God. Uh, Phillips. Phillips. Okay. Yeah. So Phillips uh, dies before he can find out why he was called, and now he's in his own sort of paranoid adventure of trying to figure out what doom is going to be wrought upon him by these missed calls. In reality, it's nothing, and he actually ruins his gigolo business by being, like, way over paranoid. <laughs> I mean, I feel like paranoia is sort of a double-edged sword when it comes to the gigolo business. I've often said yeah. All right. So since I had the misfortune of reading a sentence or two, uh, do you want me to say what this movie is actually about? Yeah, do it. Okay. So my very limited understanding is that Mr. Bigelow, at some juncture in the movie, finds out that he's been poisoned and is going to die and is then going and trying to um, uh, figure out how he's been murdered and if he can stop it, basically. Gotcha. Which would make sense with the name Dead on Arrival. Yes. But I'm not going to Google it now to confirm based... I mean, that's, that's also an extrapolation based off of limited info, but... Yeah, that also makes sense for, like, how freaked out he is and how paranoid he is. Yeah. Because everyone else is reacting to this guy like, um, dude, calm down. And he's acting like he's been poisoned and is about to die. <laughs> and he wants to find out why. Yeah. So I guess he could... That could be true, and he could be a noir gigolo also. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, the gigolo business is rife with poisonings, I hear. All right, John, do you think we can recommend either my um, sex comedy noir romp, your <laughs> actual no- noir film, or uh, what we think the film actually is? Uh Film sounds interesting. I now realize that I've probably seen this film in 10,000 other like interpretations of this film because it mm-hmm. like that's totally like a thing that every every like um like spy TV show or something will have like an episode of uh or like an action show it'll be like oh he's been poisoned at the beginning and now he has to find. So it'd be interesting to see probably the origins of that. Or at least one of the major influences of that genre of uh, like thriller, I guess. Uh, yeah. But well, uh, and in terms of my film, my film sounds way more boring than that. Uh, your film sounds rad and weird, and I'd totally love to see a erotic sex noir comedy. 
Here's the problem, though. If it was made in 1950, you know it would be problematic as heck. Oh, yeah. No, it would be. Yeah. There, it wouldn't be there, th- No, that would be. Mm. Yeah. The 1950s sucked. Well, on that note, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Minute Podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can always support us on iTunes or, I don't know, tweet about us or tell your one aunt while she's quarantined she should listen to us. Yeah. Right. We, we play have, well with aunts. We saying. absolutely do. If you have a minute you want us to talk about, maybe from the Dead or Alive um, video game, I almost said novelization, don't send us that. Uh, you can use the... <laughs> Please, God, send us the DOA <laughs> novelization. <laughs> For whatever you want to send us, you can use the recommendation form on our website, theminutepodcast.com slash contact, or you can reach out to us at theminutepodcast at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at MinutePod, or all those other social medias that we never check. As always, this episode was co-hosted by John and Paul, produced by John, with theme music by me. Uh, if you come back next week, we're going to ask you a very particular question. John, what's that going to be? Uh, can you lunge that deep? Holy crap, you made it to the end, we'll be back next week to do it all again. Until then, be well and be sure to take a minute. The Minute Podcast.